everyone and welcome back to another episode of Hot Mess Podcast. I am your host Matilda Johnson and today we are getting messy. So you may have made of notice? You may have noticed. This is why I took a week off. You may have noticed that I took a week off the podcast and that's simply because I just needed time to breathe and I was in my head a lot last week and I don't think it would have been an enjoyable episode to create if I had been continued to be in my head and made an episode. So I took a week off. I'm feeling much better. And I think doing that was exactly what my brain actually needed because I've ended up having a really wonderful week. I'm going to say it's because the planets are out of retrograde and the sun has come back to Melbourne. It's beautiful weather here. And it's just been a really solid week. I've had good news from work. I went on a 10k bike ride today, which for some people might not sound like much, but for me, I haven't ridden a bike in a hot minute. So it was like an ease back into it kind of ride. And best news, I can finally announce it because by the time this episode is up, it will have been announced to the public. But my sister got engaged. Ah, I'm so excited and happy and overwhelmed by the news. Um, she called the family last night to be like, oh, we need to have a family meeting. And I was like, oh God, what's happened? But yeah, she and her partner Liam are engaged. Congratulations to the both of you. I couldn't be happier. Liam, good luck. Um, no, I'm so excited for you to be my brother-in-law and I'm just, I'm so happy for you both. Love is just so great right now. I feel like so many people are in love and people are flourishing with their love lives. Oh, it just makes me so happy. So kicking off this week's episode, of course, we're going to do our weekly wrap. So my TikTok feed, pretty blah. Don't really have much going on. Still kind of recovering from Paris Fashion Week, I guess. Still seeing a lot of that. Um, my recommendations, I finally saw Don't Worry Darling. I finally got to be on top of all the drama and actually see the movie. So I went with Kiri, my boyfriend, and honestly, I really did love it. I will say Harry Styles is acting. Look, I wasn't expecting him to be Oscar worthy. Um, it wasn't great. He did pull a face that reminded me of Grumpy Cat, if you guys remember that meme. But aside from that, I really enjoyed the plot of the movie. It felt like a modern Stepford Wives. The twist at the end, I kind of saw it coming, but purely because I think TikTok spoiled it for me. Um, I was happy that I was able to separate the drama from the creation of the movie to the movie itself. You know what I mean? I was like, able to not just watch it and be like oh my god Florence oh my god Olivia like uh, I was able to watch it and enjoy the film there are things that I do agree with people on that like certain characters could have been utilized more and like the pacing of the film wasn't fantastic but overall I liked the movie I'd watch it again people clapped at the end and I was like you know what yeah like it felt very suspenseful and also my cinema was totally packed and I feel like a majority of the people were Harry Styles fans because the disrespect I heard walking to the car park about Florence Pugh my queen I was like shut up shut up because there were these two girls and they were like I'm pretty sure the lead woman was like new to acting I think that was like her first big role and I was like bitch she has been nominated for Oscars in the past how dare you not know who Florence Pugh is I was mad but overall Harry Styles is right it's 
It is a movie that feels like a movie. He was correct in that much. So that is one of my recommendations for the week, I guess. And on top of that, I'd also recommend my friend Haley has a podcast. It's called With Zest. And it's fabulous. I really love it. And she did an episode recently um, called Confessions of a Late Bloomer. And it was really sweet. I really enjoyed listening. All right. So today I'm discussing a topic that... I've been wanting to discuss for a while, but I've kind of been putting it off because for some listeners, it might be a bit controversial, but it is about me and my life as a dancer before quitting. Um, And to be honest, I have heard a few rumors about me recently about my podcast and how it will uh, quote unquote ruin my dance career. So I just want to thank everyone for their concern Um, but I don't really have a dance career anymore, um, so nothing to worry about there. Um, I don't plan on going back into it at any point, in the near future at least, (laughs) if ever. So I'm just going to give the people what they want, considering they're talking about it so much, and actually discuss my thoughts on what happened in the industry from my point of view. So I started dancing at the ripe age of three years old. Um, I think it was mostly because I fidgeted a lot as a kid and my mum would like take me to watch my sister's dance classes. So then she put me in class because of that. And I was, I've, I'm still a small person. I've always been a small person. I'm five foot two on a good day. And like I remember they put me in ballet class and there's a video my tutu was literally scraping across the ground in like the recitals and end of year concerts and stuff and it was funny it's quite funny to watch back and be like wow I was also the youngest person in that dance school when it opened I got an award for being the youngest didn't know that was a thing um yeah it's like getting an award for participation like congrats you're only three years old and you're wearing ballet shoes, good job, and you're not peeing your pants in the class, like, decent effort, but, yeah, I really loved it, always, always did, my entire life loved it, and then changed dance schools, loved it even more, started competing, I remember the moment I won my first trophy, and it felt like hard work had paid off, Getting my first pair of point shoes was a huge thing for me and I would watch center stage in my living room pretty much every day. I watched it religiously, put on my point shoes and would do the exercises that they were doing on in the movie, like the bar exercises and stuff like that. Probably shouldn't have. The, the dancers in that movie were much more skilled than I was. Like It was not, not smart, but I did it anyway. Absolutely loved it. I remember my first big award was like most dedicated dancer or something like that because truly like it was my entire life it was my personality people knew me in school as the dancer my superlative in middle school was the dancer and sometimes I did find that annoying because I was like well I do have a personality outside of like the thing that I love doing you know what I mean like I was like it's not my entire life like it is but I do have other interests and I am a real person outside of that and sometimes I'd get frustrated like I'd want to be a netballer or something else and I'd want to quit dance on a bad day and mum would be like no like are you serious you actually hate netball you're bad at 
ball sports and stuff like that not a good idea you know how much you love dance you've just had a bad day like it would always be that kind of conversation and yeah it was my entire life moved schools in year 11 as you guys know and started training in a dance school there that was very well known for creating ballet dancers and or musical theater performers um very skilled students and I think because I just moved towns it was just too intense for me at that point in time I just wanted to dance for fun for a while so then I changed schools to a more like relaxed version and it kind of brought me back into it and I had a lot of fun there I do have to give a shout out to my first dance teacher Kate Mead well technically she wasn't my first dance teacher however she definitely had probably the biggest influence in why I decided to become a professional dancer. She provided a lot of opportunities for dancers in rural Victoria. She took us to, she took me and a few other students, including my sister. My mum came along to the Australian Dance Festival, which is held in Sydney every year. And that was kind of when she realized that there isn't enough um, opportunities, I guess, for students in small country towns in Victoria to learn from some of Australia's best choreographers because a lot of them are based in Sydney. So that's when she began the Victorian Dance Festival. It was originally called Isolate Dance Festival, I remember that, but it started off in Colac, Victoria, and then it's now a huge thing for the state of Victoria. People come from all over Australia to go to it. And yeah, she really created a legacy for Victorian students. Also, she now has the podcast called Women of Influence. So you should definitely go check that out as well. It's a very great, very good podcast. So yeah, I spent all of my teenage years dancing competitively, um, moved schools, was super into musical theater. I did a lot of regional shows and high school shows and stuff like that. And it was just my passion. I remember singing Annie when I was how old was I? Oh my gosh, I was like six and I had a stuffed dog on stage with me. A fake dog, a toy dog, not a real taxidermied stuffed dog, just so you know. And I was singing Annie and I got like a standing ovation. I've got it on film somewhere, but I was so proud of myself. And that was kind of like when I was like, I want to do this forever. I was six years old, right? And then I did a few other musicals. I was in like a chorus line, Grease, a few other shows like that. And then by year 12, I kind of had it in my mind already that I didn't want to go to university. I wanted to dance full time. Of course, I did like dabble in other things just to see if I was interested in anything else that I wanted to study. But no, I was like, I'm going to be a dancer and I need to start auditioning for schools. This is what I'm going to do. So thanks to my parents who put up with me and drove me to auditions in the middle of year 12 to Melbourne. So i I only auditioned for I think it was two schools I ended up going for because a lot of the dates I just couldn't work around unfortunately with travel and stuff because we were from the country so I could only make it to a couple and I ended up getting accepted into both which I was over the moon about and couldn't believe and I chose the school that I ended up going to based off the subjects that they had to offer at the time 
So I decided I wanted to get my diploma in musical theater and the school I chose had that on offer. So that was it. I didn't even end up applying for university, which in hindsight, like that's kind of a dumb thing to do. I don't recommend just in case, but yeah, I ended up just being like, not even worth it. Like I'm going to be a dancer. So I packed up my bags and I moved my little butt to Melbourne and I lived in this tiny little shitty apartment with my older sister and it was just around the corner from the studio that I ended up studying at as well. So it kind of worked out beautifully for that reason because I didn't drive um, and yeah, it worked out for a number of reasons. I'm also a very disorganized person sometimes. So it'd be great if I could just run home and get like a pair of dance shoes that I'd forgotten or something like that. So that worked out. And I think because I hadn't lived in Melbourne previously, I hadn't really heard much about what the Melbourne dance scene is like and which studio was like the best for studying at and stuff. Like I knew all of the studios, I knew of all of them, but I hadn't heard about any history of the studios, any past students talk about it. So I was really keen to go. And I must say pretty much within the first week, I kind of faced my first experience of being a small fish in a big pond. I guess before that I'd always been a big fish in a small pond when it came to dancing because it had always been in small towns. I'd always competed in those small towns and I'd always been successful or I'd always had like the lead role in a musical. So for me, coming to a studio where it was like everyone was the best wherever they came from, it was very much like Tara and Dance Academy. It was like, yeah, I've got all these skills, but I'm actually not as good as what I'd kind of believed I had been previously. And it was also pointed out to me very quick on that, that like very fast that that was the case. <laughs> Can you tell I'm nervous talking about this? Like I'm fumbling my words and I'm just like, I'm kind of shaking as I discuss this because of the way I've been conditioned to think about dance, I think. But anyway, so basically within the first week, um, I was, they did this activity where they sorted, I, it was quite a big school at the time. Um, they had the entire, like the entirety of the school in one studio learning a combo. And then the director of the studio put people into groups and then made all those groups come out one by one. And my group was rather small. There was only about three or four of us in that group. So I was freaking out being like, oh my God, like, do I even remember the steps? Like really trying to push myself. And I remember it so vividly because my therapist has also like expressed to me that this is probably the first time that I had felt true humiliation. So basically she made each group come out and then once they stopped dancing, she would say why she put them in that group and like point out each single person and say like what their strengths and weaknesses are. But all of the groups had been pretty positive. Like this group is super energetic. This group is super sharp. Then my group came out. We did the combo. Pretty sure it was to Ed Sheeran, Shape of You. Oh my God, that's how strongly I remember it. I'm like, it was to this song. And um, once the music stopped at the end, she was like, you guys are shit. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, you guys have no technique, no, 
like energy. You guys don't look confident. She pointed me out and said, you dance with absolutely like zero confidence. And I, I was like, I, I never realized that before. I thought I was really confident in my dance ability. And she was like, you need to be more confident and you need to look more confident in, in your dancing. And I don't know about you guys, but getting pointed out and being told that you have no confidence in front of an entire group of people doesn't make you any more confident, (laughs) you know, like it kind of made it even worse. So that was kind of my first bad experience. And don't get me wrong. I had a lot of amazing experiences as well during my three years of training full time. However, unfortunately, I think the traumatic side of it has stuck with me more than the good. And I say that like I'd grown a lot throughout the experience of those three years, but I also don't want to give any credit to the people who did me wrong during this time for me becoming a stronger dancer and stronger person. Yes, what they taught me helped my dance ability, but as an individual, I think a lot of my strength and willingness to succeed came from myself wanting to prove people wrong. So inadvertently, yeah, they helped me. But I don't want to give them credit for that because I'm like, well, I ended up helping myself more than they ever could. And I also figured out when to leave. I'll also add it in my first year within the first term of me studying there, I tore my syndesmosis ligament in my ankle during an acrobatics class. I was doing like a front flip off a tramp onto a mat and tore the ligament that holds your tibia and fibula together. And, um, yeah, so I tore that was in serious pain. My ankle went purple and that set me back about eight weeks. And then finally, as soon as I was able to dance again, it was right before, um, we started rehearsing for the mid year show. I got super duper sick to the point where I almost went blind and ended up in the ICU. I left the ICU a week ahead of time because I was so stressed that I was not going to be placed in the show. Came to the studio early. The teachers took one look at me after telling me that I needed to get back to the school. And they were like, why the fuck are you here? You look terrible. But then I'd also lost a tremendous amount of weight during that time that I had been in hospital. I lost 10 kilos in a week, which is not healthy. I want to express that. It was the unhealthiest thing that could have happened. And the director was like, oh my God, you look so skinny and good. And like, it was like the first time I'd really been praised about my looks as well. And she was like, keep it up. And I was like, you know, that I'd been in the ICU, you know, that what happened to me was, it it could have killed me. Like, that's not to put it lightly. Like I almost went blind, lost 10 kilos in a week. I could have died. But I'm sure a lot of people listening, whether you're a dancer or not, you already know that there's stigmas in the dance industry about your physique. And people keep saying that it's getting better. Unfortunately, I don't think it's really there yet. I'd say, yes, it's slowly getting better. But until the teachers that are currently teaching are out of the picture it won't really get better because they were taught by the people who made it what it was, you know? But alas, I finally got better. Um, Tried to keep my weight, the weight that it was when I got sick, unfortunately, and then graduated my first year and life seemed okay. Got screamed at quite a few times, but it was manageable. Then comes around second year and 
I had my first panic attack the week before term started, first term started for second year. And I remember it so clearly. I was in the car with my parents and my sister and we were driving to drop me off at the train station to go back to Melbourne. And immediately, like something just happened within me. I started shaking and crying. I couldn't feel my hands or feet. And I was just like, do not send me back there. Don't send me back there. I can't do it. I cannot do this. But as you guys can imagine, I went back and second year was easier, but also harder because I feel like I got singled out even more. There were multiple times that I can think of where I was emotionally distressed. I had lots more panic attacks throughout this time. I started taking medication Um, herbal medication. I didn't start any like um, antidepressants at this point, but I was on St. John's Ward to help lower the amount of anxiety I was experiencing while I was there. Um, But yeah, it was, it was a tough year, but I think for me, it became easier once I decided to start vlogging my experience. And looking back, I realized this now because I was thinking to myself at the time, like, oh, I'm not getting yelled at as much. Life is really good. Um, I must be doing really well at classes and stuff, which yes, I was. I had improved as a dancer as well. But I think in a way, me vlogging my experience was beneficial to the school. So of course they didn't want to be yelling at me because what I was doing for them was free advertising. By my third year and my final year, I was getting a lot more solos and shows. I was getting lead parts in musical numbers. And I'm not going to dub myself down and say that it's just because of the fact I was vlogging. I had become very good at singing and dancing. I was really good and I'm proud of myself for how much I grew in those three years as a dancer and as a performer. Um, There was one moment where I was even threatened though to have my diploma taken away from me if I didn't perform to the best of my abilities and if I didn't push myself more. That was fucking terrifying because I was like, well, I'm paying to have this done. I'm studying this. You can't threaten to take a diploma away from me just because you don't think I'm performing as well as I should be. I also find it really funny though because a lot of like the vlogs that I created, they're still out on the internet And you can kind of see my highs and lows throughout. And I find it funny looking back on it now because I think I was only vlogging like the very best parts, but you can tell when I'd lost a tremendous amount of weight, when I was tired, you could see it. Like there were episodes where I cried and like discussed like how hard it was. Um, But like a part of me was just like, oh, but like, the dance industry is just like this. We were kind of conditioned to believe that that was what it was going to be like the entirety of our careers. So we kind of just had to roll with the punches and just do better and be better because we were told that that's what the industry would be like, which I later learned is not the case because firstly, if that's exactly what the industry is like, people wouldn't want to be a part of it. People would not want to continue to do it for the rest of their lives because... Firstly, it ruins the experience. When you're turning your passion into a career, you want to continue enjoying doing what you're doing. Um, And I can assure you, since I did some professional gigs outside of training, I did learn that 
it's not always like this. As you guys can probably tell, I'm also glazing over a lot of the stuff that I experienced because firstly, I don't want to relay all of my trauma on the internet just yet. Maybe that's something I'm happy to discuss once I become more confident and comfortable with the podcast itself. And maybe when I also bring on guests who have already expressed that they want to discuss this on the podcast as well and their experiences within the dance industry. Um, but I also think that some things don't need to be relayed for my own emotional health. I remember though, the night that I graduated, the final show of my senior year, as soon as the curtain closed, I just burst into tears. And I wasn't sad about leaving the studio, which is what I thought the feeling would be. I was crying because I was so relieved to be done, which is something I nev never thought I would feel. But I was bawling my eyes out. There's footage of it on camera, me sobbing and people being like, what the fuck? And I'm just, I was an emotional wreck because I was just so relieved to be done. But because... I was like somewhat brainwashed to a degree. I stuck around the studio. <laughs> Firstly, because I was living around the corner from it. Secondly, because that's what my content on YouTube and all my social media had been around. Um, and thirdly, because I wanted to continue my training. Um, well, not continue it full time, but I wanted to keep up classes. And fourthly, because I got hired by the studio to work on their social media, which at the time I thought was a blessing. I thought they thought something, they saw something in me with my creative talents, <laughs> which is funny because my social media is not that fabulous. Um, but I also thought being on the director's radar would mean that I got sent for more auditions or that I built up this kind of relationship with her that would be really good for me in my career. Um, I was working for them every day in the studio, almost all day, every day for $200 a month, $200 a month. It was terrible. I, it was the pits. It was the pits. I was working five jobs at the time aside from that, but that was my main job. And my relationship with the director did get better because of it. I became very close with her. We would chat every day. And I felt like that was giving me a leg up in the industry because a part of me honestly felt like I would not get anywhere if it weren't for her help, because that was kind of how it had been put across to me that she could blacklist me from the industry if I did anything wrong by her, which is funny because I'm making this podcast now, but guess what? I'm not in the industry anymore. I'm really nervous. I'm going to get a cease and desist, but this is my experience. My wet dream is that all the people who were treated poorly by the studio director all come together and like they stand up for themselves. That's like my wet dream. <laughs> so I stuck around working for her. I ended up pretty much assisting her for some parts of it for a year and that was during 2020 as well so a lot of it was long distance contact due to the pandemic and having to stay at home and then whenever we were able to go back to dancing whenever the studio would open up again I would be with there and then I would have to be long distance again then I'd go back to the studio then it would be long distance again and it was about it was like that for pretty much the whole year then we filmed the end of your show I was there for all of the rehearsal period for all of the filming process because they decided to make it a film 
um, rather than having an audience because that wouldn't have been allowed. Um, and then the next year I was again, working for her. So I was going into my second year of working for her and I was getting some new headshots and body shots taken for my portfolio and to use for auditions, stuff like that. My passion hadn't died yet. During 2020, it was a bit hit and miss though. I definitely had my fair share of breakdowns thinking that like I just graduated and finally I can work in the industry, but the entire industry has been shut down. I can't do anything about it. The dance industry had no support. The performing arts community in general didn't really have government support. So I was freaking out thinking my career could be over because of that. Um, It wasn't by the time that the pandemic kind of started to phase out and we weren't doing lockdowns anymore. I was able to go back to dancing and stuff like that and training and making sure that I was back in shape for it. And I was getting headshots and body shots done, sent them to my director, got a few messages back being like, oh, I think this is better, whatever, whatever. I come into the studio the next day to work. No, I didn't go into the studio the next day to work. I went into another job that I had in a restaurant I was working at. And I got a call from the director who was also my agent. I must, I must add that in. She was also my agent. And she was like, are you at your other job right now? And I said, yes. And she was like, can you go back into an office or something so you can have some privacy? And immediately I was like, oh God, what's this going to be about? And she tells me, I can hear her voice through the phone, like knowing that I was at work. She says, you've become really fat. You need to lose weight. I preferred the weight you were when you were studying and might I had, whilst I was studying, she was fully aware of the fact that I had an eating disorder. So naturally I immediately just burst into tears because what else do you do when you get told something that awful by somebody who you thought you were starting to build a good relationship with and somebody who's seen you during some of the worst times of your life? And also who's seen you grow from some of the worst times in your life. I thought I was at a point in my relationship with her where I thought she's now understanding of who I am, my experiences in life, and is proud of me, but I guess not. And when I hung up the phone, I was still at work, so I had to just pull myself together and get back to work. Um, And then I went to the studio the next day, took a class, and... She asked me what I was doing for the rest of the day. And I was like, oh, I'm going to a boxing class after this. And she was like, oh, good. Yes. Yes. That's really good. That's a good workout. You'll get toned after that. And I was like, okay. And then when I left the studio, that was the last time I was there. Um, I did not know that going into it. But as soon as I stepped foot out of that studio, I was like, I am never coming back here ever again. And I'm proud of myself for the fact that I made that decision kind of subconsciously. I never ended up calling her to tell her I quit. I never sent any emails. I just didn't show up ever again. Never replied to her messages, never picked up the phone, which yes, I know is unprofessional. It's unprofessional, but for me and my mental health, that is what I had to do. I went to a few dance classes here and there, not at that studio, But eventually, the more and more I danced, the more upset it would make me. And I wouldn't feel class leaving, like feeling fulfilled 
like I usually would. Instead, it made me fall deeper and deeper into a depression, making me feel like I could no longer do it. And that it no longer gave me the feeling that it had my entire life, which as you can imagine is such a hard thing to come to terms with when you've done something your entire life and you were building your career out of something that you loved. And then suddenly thinking to yourself, I can't do this anymore. It kind of gave me this weird, kind of like it was an existential crisis. It was a bit of a quarter life crisis thinking, what am I without dancing? It's all I've ever known my entire life. I don't know who I am without this, but I need to find who I can be without it. And that's still something I'm figuring out. I'm still learning my new passions and taking it one step at a time. I think I'm now in a comfortable place where I, you know what? I caught up with a few people last weekend who were from that studio I went to and I hadn't really, I'd kind of avoided catching up with people from that studio for a long time. Like I talked to people on social media, but I kind of avoid seeing people one-on-one because of the feeling that it gives me. And I'm not going to lie, like some of those people are very close friends of mine or were my best friends during that time. But it immediately takes me back to the feelings that I had during full time, which was very dramatic and traumatic. And so sometimes seeing the people from that time just takes me back into those feelings and it's not something that is good for me. I think slowly, the more I do it, the easier it gets and the more I can disassociate them from the training and the school and the drama that surrounded it. And that's good. But when I saw them over the weekend, they were asking me what I was doing now and if I'm still dancing. And it was the first time that I confidently said, no, I'm not dancing anymore. And I don't plan on it. And I, it felt so good to say that, which was weird because again, I never thought in my whole life that that's something I would say. I thought I was going to do it till the day I died. But yeah, it was such a relief to say I'm not a dancer anymore. And yeah, it just felt like a very freeing thing to say. I would say though that it's still hard watching my friends, especially like, so for instance, my best friend Lexi. Hi Lex. Um, She's become very successful as a dancer and I could not be more proud of her. It is sometimes hard though to be like, oh my gosh, this is what my best friend is doing or this is what my peers are doing. If I stuck to it, could I be in their position and trying to differentiate? Would I be happier if I was there still dancing and taking it seriously as a professional or would I still feel the way that I feel now about dancing? You know what I mean? It's hard to think like that, but all in all, I think I'm in a healthier mindset now. If you're wondering, whatever happened to that director? Well, the last time I saw the director, I faced a fear of mine after many therapy sessions and my therapist kind of recommended that perhaps this is something I needed to do for myself. And I bought tickets to the end of year show that happened last year. And I dragged my boyfriend along with me and ended up in a booth with a couple of friends and also the director's family, which was not planned. I did not know they were going to be in that booth, but, um, it was quite funny. And then after the show, 
was catching up with friends, saw some of my old teachers, some who I have good relationships with and some not so much. And it was quite funny because the director spotted me, came up, gave me a big hug and was like, I miss you so much, yada, yada, yada. And for a brief moment, I thought to myself, oh my God, I miss this too. And I was like, no, snap out of it. You don't miss this. You just miss feeling like you're something special and a part of something special and that you could be a big star because of this person, because that's what they made you think. Snap out of it. And then she looked at my boyfriend and I introduced him to her. She gave him a hug and said, thank you for taking care of my girl. And I was like, that's sweet. And then I was like, but that doesn't make up for all the emotional turmoil you put me through. And to be honest, I probably didn't, I probably wouldn't have gone to a therapist if it weren't for some of my experiences and needing to talk to somebody who was a professional. So the person who I started seeing works specifically for performing artists, um, which I think there's not enough of. I think it's something that industry needs more people trained to deal with the mental health of performers, but I had a few sessions before, of course, going to see the show. And my very first session, the teacher was like, list all the times that like you, the teacher, <laughs> the therapist said, list a bunch of times that your director made you feel a certain type of anger, frustration, sadness, humiliation, anxiety, etc. And after I finished, like I hadn't cried or anything like that. I just listed all the things that had happened to me. And the therapist looks at me and says, what she did to you is emotional abuse. She abused you for three years, probably longer than that, considering I was working for her. And as soon as he said that, I just broke down because in my mind, my experience was totally normal because I didn't know of anything else the entire time I'd been training. I saw that happen to every single person. And then I met people from other performing arts schools and I heard similar stories from them. So in my mind, I was like, oh, this is just normal behavior. It's not. Being treated the way that I was or that many of my friends have been, it's not normal. And it was abusive. And hearing the word abuse kind of made me realize the severity of the behavior of some directors and other people within the industry. Sorry, had to take a break there because I was getting a bit worked up over the topic because to be honest, I'm now 24. I started dancing when I was three and I trained full-time from the age of 19 through to 21 and was working professionally for my 21st, my 22nd years of life. Um, and it's still a bit raw, some of the emotions I feel around it, because ultimately this was my childhood dream. And although I don't want it for myself anymore, knowing the way it broke down for me, it's painful because it's like that was something I adored so much that now brings me sadness instead. And that's a tough pill to swallow. But that's my entire dance history, I guess. 
I have considered going back to a class just for funsies. Um, it does bring me a lot of anxiety, although it's something I want to work towards. Let's hope by the end of this year, I'll go to at least one class. Let's make that a goal and kind of just do it for fun and do it for myself. I think that's something I need to start thinking about, just doing it for myself. I see a lot of my friends still from dancing, um, who are being successful and I couldn't be more proud of them because I know that they would have had to fight some mental battles as well to get to where they are. And anyone who was performing during 2020, um, and have stuck to it now, I cannot be more proud of you for getting to where you are now, because that was probably the toughest year for all artists. Um, no matter what field you're from, what area of performing arts, like that was a really tough year. So if you're still going for it, good job. Like I tilt my hat to you because that is, that was one hell of a year. And to any other performers who've kind of been in my position and where they've like lost their passion, because I know that happened to many people as well during that year. I hope you're okay and I hope that you're finding something else that you love and I hope that you're also kind of finding yourself because I guess in performing you do get lost and you do lose yourself a bit because you're constantly playing a character or expressing an emotion that might not be true to how you're actually feeling and so I hope that you're kind of finding yourself a bit more and you're learning to move on and that you're finding love within yourself as well because that is also something that you have to relearn. And I hope that you know that you're not alone. You're, you've actually got a whole community around you of people who are in the same boat. And yeah, you're not alone. So to all the people who've asked me to speak on the topic about my experience in the dance community, there you have it. Um, thank you to all the people again who expressed concern over my career as a dancer because of my podcast. No need to worry about that. Um, but yeah, I'm doing much better. I just want to be, I just want people to know that as well, because I have a lot of people who aren't a part of the dance community ask me about dancing as well. And so I kind of just wanted to lay it all out there and be like, well, this is what my experience was like. And I know it's not like that for everyone. Some people have amazing experiences. Um, this is just my side of the story. So yeah, it's all out there now. Obviously not all of it. There's much more where that came from, but I say that with every topic we discuss. So there's more that we can dive into later on. But yeah, that's all I've got time for for today. So I hope you all enjoyed that episode. If you did, please give me a five-star review on Spotify because it really does help me and my platform and yeah, just boosts my confidence as well. Leave a review. Um, I really hope you loved the episode as much as I loved recording it. It was very therapeutic for me and yeah, I'll see you guys next week. I hope you have a very messy week ahead. Bye.